Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with the top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. My name is Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge. And as you can see, I am here live with our special guest, Mason Harris, today. Um, If you're not familiar with Mason, he is a listener, speaker, author, world-class entrepreneur, and knows quite a few things about selling. And he's now written a book about called The Chutzpah Advantage, where he teaches leaders like us the skill sets for going bigger, being bolder, and doing better. Uh, So I'm thrilled to be joined here live for the first time since we've been doing Conversations at the Edge. We're here in Dallas, Texas for Vern's Scaling Up Summit uh, and joined in person by Mason. So welcome, Mason. How are you today? It is a pleasure to be here. But Mason, I think what we're all wondering is what is chutzpah? It is a great question, and you are pronouncing it correctly. I'll start with that. But let me ask you, you're from the Philly area. Uh, You've probably grown up and seen a lot of chutzpah or chutzpah growing up. How would you define it? You've hit on a number of the, the definitions or synonyms that I heard when I was researching and interviewing people for this book. Uh, the gumption, a uh, very positive turn, the cojones implies strength. Occasionally, I would also hear rude and demanding. And it's an interesting thing because the word means all of that. People who have a negative perception of what chutzpah might be are not incorrect. And people of a positive perception as to the strength and ability to help us move forward more quickly have the right perception as well. For me, I'll start with this. Chutzpah is a skill set. It's not a single word. It's not just grit or determination on its own, and it's not demanding. Um, It is a set of skills, in in my model, eight key behaviors and characteristics that when combined create a skill set. And as with all skill sets, it can be misused. So for example, Alex, you and I can, can learn to be computer pros and write code. Uh, after graduating with our skill set of computer coding, you decide to create business applications and software that help people become more productive, help companies operate more efficiently. I might choose to use that same skill set and write ransomware. Well, the skill set is the same. How we implement it, constructive or destructive, is really a function of our own ethics, upbringing, and morality. So it's the same with chutzpah. But you're right. Chutzpah is about uh, persevering to accomplish objectives, overcoming obstacles, getting started even, which so many of us don't do. Great. Well, I'm, you know, I'm curious, like, I think some people are probably born with chutzpah. You know, that's their personality. Is it something also that you can be taught and you can kind of learn and grow into as, as you grow into a leader? I believe research shows that there are elements of our personality that we are born with. But more important than that is what we learn and practice moving forward. So there may be people who are more communicative 
more likely to be risk takers, to climb to the highest bar uh, in the gym when they're four years old and their parents are going, what are you doing? And others who sit back because they're more fearful. Yes, that does exist. But as far as the person who's fearful, learning to overcome fears and climb further, take risks, uh, understand that failure is part of what we do because we've chosen a lifestyle as business people that requires decisions and not every decision is going to be correct. So yes, it can be learned. And more importantly, it can be taught and become part of our company's DNA, part of our company's culture. So can you talk a little bit more about what that would, what does that look like when chutzpah is, is part of the company DNA? Well, a couple of things. For example, sometimes we think of uh, the decision makers within an organization. Well, decision makers suffer the same way we do when it comes to making a difficult decision. Whether or not to cross the street when the light is red and their car is coming or wait for the green light is simple. We know what's safe, we know what to do. But what about when it comes to funding an area of growth in a company that leans one way versus another? Or through this pandemic, we've seen numerous companies having to pivot dramatically from their original business just to survive. Those decisions, one can never be certain about when we, when we do it. But if there's enough discussion and enough input from team members, because there is a culture of you will not be criticized for saying something we disagree with. You will not be criticized for, for doing something that en may end up not being correct. We expect and understand that we're going to learn from mistakes. We just want to make sure we minimize those mistakes. We minimize the ambiguity, the ambiguity about all the decisions that we're making. Do you ever find that, you know, creating the space for chutzpah to be part of the organizational culture can go too far? Um, are there mistakes that you've seen when leaders are you know, using chutzpah to make decisions and, and lead their companies? I'll tell you a quick story about two companies in New York City. Uh, one was founded by a person whose limited opportunities by way of education, by where in New York City he lived, um, didn't, didn't offer a lot of opportunity, a lot of uh, job uh, potential. Uh, but he started working at 13. He was hardworking by the time he was 19, 20 years old. He was clearing $2 million a year. Unfortunately, he was a drug dealer. Now, let me contrast that with somebody else who decided he wanted to go into the healthcare business because he was successful at teaching people uh, how to improve the quality of their health, exercise differently, see results, obtain the discipline. Well, the health club industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. You're competing against companies that have resources beyond your imagination. And entrepreneurs in this side rarely succeed unless if there's a lot of backing. Well, this person succeeded. And I thought to myself when I heard the story, you know, I would definitely love to have coffee with the guy who built the business and opened up a gym and is thriving with that gym, has clientele who are loyal and referring others to him. The guy who started the drug business, I'm not quite so sure that I'd be as comfortable. The really interesting thing, it's the same guy. So the skill set that enabled this drug dealer to succeed in, you talk about deadly competition, that's deadly competition at a much different level than we have. You talk about building a distribution network, marketing, reaching people, differentiating yourself from the other dealers. 
This person did it. He had chutzpah. He also went to jail. While in jail, he changed his, his thought process. He had a son right before going into jail. And he said, I'm going to get out of here. And by the way, he was about 60, 70 pounds overweight. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose this weight and I'm going to be a good father to him and change my life. Well, he lost the weight by creating an exercise plan for himself. He lost the weight in his cell. Pretty soon in the jail yard, people were saying, hey, can you work with me? You look terrific. Can you teach me to do that? When he got out, he thought, well, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to open a gym. But sources of funding were not available to him. It was hard to get a job even as a convict, as an ex-convict. So he started by teaching people in the park. From the park, he got enough clientele. He also found a group that works with ex-convicts to help them get into business, helps them get jobs. Well, let's put it this way. In his business, he only hires other ex-convicts because he knows how difficult it is for them to find jobs. So not surprisingly, he's using what he learned to help others. But the same chutzpah that helped him the first portion of his life help him become a successful business person as well. And that's chutzpah. So can it be misused? Yes, it can also go the other way. We know Bernie Madoff, the story of stealing, embezzling, I think it was close to $65 billion was the final number. I'll have to check that. But uh, when he first started his company, there was no intention to steal. He was a hardworking guy and he created a technological advantage in his company that gave him quotes uh, more quickly than other brokers were getting them. And he was dealing with small stocks. That's how he made his money. 20, 30 years in, there was a change on the uh, stock exchange that made it so that he couldn't sell in fractions. Uh, this stock is five versus five and a quarter versus five and a half. They sold in decimals. So between five and five and a quarter, he had a big, big spread. That was his margin. They changed it. Now they were selling it at 5.125 cents, $5 and 12 and a half cents per share. Instead of pivoting and using his knowledge and his, and his base of clients to grow in a different direction, he changed his model and the rest is, I guess, unfortunate history in the financial world. So to answer your question, yes, it can be misused. Thank you for that. I'm curious, like, what are the other attributes that leaders need to make chutzpah rather a positive versus the negative? So when we look at those two stories, what are the other things that led the, the one entrepreneur and Bernie Madoff to have a positive factor versus a negative? Well, it's interesting. Jim Collins wrote an article related to level five leadership and humility and uh, extreme persistence in essence. Now, most people don't associate humility with chutzpah, but here was the connection made by one of the most respected business leaders, trainers, authors, teachers uh, of our time, saying that humility is kind of that, um, that unexpected presence we sometimes think, oh, this company is failing. We need to replace this CEO and get in somebody who's a hard driver, who'll get in your face, who'll push you. We're not worried about niceties or manners now. And yet the research shows you can be a nice guy and be tough. You can make things happen and earn the respect of your teammates, of your colleagues, uh, so that everybody's more aligned and working towards a common goal. Thank you. So are there different kinds of chutzpah? <laughs> well, 
It's interesting. Obviously, there's there's what we would call a good, a good chutzpah and bad chutzpah. I tend to think of it in different categories. So there is win-win chutzpah, which is what we do. You have an idea, you seize an opportunity, you create a company. The idea is that you will win, your clients will win, your customer base will win, your stakeholders will win. Everybody comes up ahead. A rising tide lifts all boats because of what you've accomplished. There is self-serving chutzpah which is the, this is about me. I don't care how I reach my goals or how many bodies I have to step over, I'm going to do that. So that gets into the very destructive type of chutzpah uh, that we spoke about. There is also what I call political chutzpah, which doesn't really apply to this this audience, but it's the type of chutzpah where uh, I can say one thing to you, one thing to somebody else the next day that's completely different with a smile on my face and not feel any regret about lying to somebody. Um, and unfortunately, I think that permeates too much of politics nowadays. Uh, we have what I call which is an expression which is uh, it's, it's kind of like, I can't believe what that person did. Nobody gets hurt. But the, the foundation of the story is that was very gutsy, not necessarily honest, but uh, again, nobody gets hurt. That's that's the critical element of it. There's also what I call other serving chutzpah. If some of our listeners today are uh, nonprofits or have created philanthropic organizations, theirs is about serving others. They still need the chutzpah skills because they still need to get started. They still need to handle objections when asking donors for funds. They still need to understand why donors actually will contribute. And that gets into understanding need, pain, and opportunity. And they're frequently trailblazers in what they do. And without a doubt, they have a purpose. That's why they're serving others through their organization. So I'm curious, what would be the difference between the win-win chutzpah and the serving others chutzpah, the first one and the last one? Uh, you mean the win-win and the other serving? Yes. Okay, win-win, um, I write a book, I speak, I hope to make money uh, off of that so I can raise my family and, and keep us uh, off of the unemployment rolls. But basically, you win and I win. In self-serving chutzpah, a good example I use in the book is Mother Teresa. Contrary to popular belief, she wasn't in it for the money. Uh, matter of fact, there was no money for Mother Teresa. If anything, she had to struggle against the very patriarchal hierarchy that did not want to give her quite the funding she needed initially. They gave her a little money to uh, try and accomplish something in terms of her objectives of serving poor, ill, homeless. A lot of the growth came about because of her success and because she reached out beyond the church to raise funds. And again, for her, it wasn't about, you know, when we hit a certain milestone, I'm going to get a nicer car. I'm going to move into a nicer house. That's what I mean by other serving husband. Now, you don't have to be Mother Teresa. You work in a nonprofit and an organization that provides benefits to others. You were in that other serving role along with self-serving. There is some, some uh, overture between the two. So uh, as we come to the end of our conversation today, I just want to ask you any final thoughts that you'd like to leave the community with? Chutzpah, what I like about it is all of the behaviors and characteristics in the model are within everyone's control. Uh, 
You don't need special training. You don't need to be, become a, a computer programmer. You don't need a law degree. You don't need to go to medical school to fill that role. You don't need any of this specialized training to have chutzpah. It's within you to make the changes that benefit you, your family, your colleagues at work, your team, your organization, and in essence, the community around you. We all get better because of the chutzpah that people have had in the past. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.